I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a mouse. <laughs> Are you ready? There's only one Disney. I am very invested in not just Disney today, but Disney long term. Hello, people. Welcome to the Fantasy Fair. The what is it? Oh, that is right. The most magical podcast on earth joining me. I have Alexis, but not the Alexis you think. Alexis Soto. How are you, Alexis? <sighs> Mood. <laughs> you don't even have to say anything. You just made a sound that yeah. sounded so disappointed, so tired. Yeah. It's it's honestly perfect. Yeah. I hope it was conveyed perfectly because I feel very much like that right now. I am doing pretty good. I had a, a food filled day and uh I'm topping it off with uh with an old fashioned. It is it's it's really good. Um so uh in the times where in times like these you kind of need a stiffy. Um, you want to rephrase that? That's what it's called. Okay. Get your head out of the gutter, everyone. No. Um, mean, that's what episode, everybody heard. That's what everyone heard. Um, okay. Moving on. We have a couple of news updates for everyone. I think, yeah, that's the way we're rolling. <laughs> uh, the Disney uh, second quarter uh, earnings call happened. So we're going to talk a little bit of that. Because um, I think that there were some interesting things to delve into uh, from that. There is uh, some Mandalorian and Star Wars related news, which we'll dive into a little bit later. And then to cap it all off uh, uh, live action remakes boy we keep on getting them aren't we <laughs> uh, so we're going to talk a little, bu- a little bit about that and more um, Alexis Moreno would be here except she's busy so uh, uh, expect her next time so here we go so Alexis Soto did you listen to the earnings no. call or am I am I the only person of our group to actually listen to that stuff? I didn't even knew it was happening. Oh, I sent the leak the the link and and all that stuff and mm-hmm. for you guys to listen if you want to do. It's kind of weird. Uh, Bob Chapek led the call. <laughs> Bob Iger was like, "Here at Disney, we are you know." You know, this is this is very uncircum. Uh, you know, the circumstances are not good right now. But to explain further, here's Bob Chapek, <laughs> and then uh, and then Bob Chapek. I laughed in the call because he's like, "Thanks, Bob." Anyway, <laughs> it's like I don't know. It's weird. Two Bobs. Um, so. They discussed a lot of things. They discussed primarily what the uh, word on the street during the whole entire conversation was the coronavirus. Um, Because, boy, 
Um, it's a doozy. It's a it's a huge doozy that uh, that happened with with this whole coronavirus thing and the Disney stuff. I know you don't particularly find uh, earnings calls and uh, stocks and all that stuff interesting. I kind of do. Um, whenever it comes to Disney, um, that's just how deep in the weeds I am of this. I don't want to say cult, <laughs> but fandom, I would say. So, uh, any questions of what was asked before we go, uh, or what was discussed before I go in with some details? I don't know what was talked about, so, um... Did you have a way you wanted to talk about what they discussed? Oh no, no. That's why I was like, "Do you have any questions of what was the of anything that was discussed? Like anything you're particularly interested in that you wanted answered specifically?" Well, um, what about the matter of parks? Okay. Um, in the matter of parks, Shanghai Disneyland will open May 11th with enforced rules in place for mandatory temperature check, reservation system, reservation for ticks, um, tickets, uh, and uh, much less than Chinese uh, occupation can do in a public setting, uh, which the figures are way below that of 24,000 instead of the typical 86,000 that the resort can take. Um, and as far as uh, the U.S. and everywhere else internationally, Everything is closed indefinitely, but they're just seeing if they could, uh, how they could operate. I guess they're using Dis Shanghai Disneyland as kind of like testing ground to see how this kind of system will work before they open up any pro uh, any park before they they announce. Oh, D uh, Disneyland Resort in Anaheim is gonna open. Walt Disney World is gonna open. Uh, what do you think? Are you? Do you? I mean, China's doing way better than anyone else, and it was it was pretty much like the center base of where this whole pandemic started. Um, what What do you think about this whole thing? Do you think they should still enforce everybody stay inside? Uh, do you think the or do you think that uh, you want to see where this goes? Well, I can only answer that question. I need I need a couple of um, follow-ups to the information that you just gave. Was that the extent of ramped-up security as far as the parks are concerned? Just temperature check-ins and then social distance limited limitations? Uh, pretty much. They're still trying to figure it out. But so far, that is the preliminary conditions uh that uh is grounds for more things being set in place was there any mention of the term asymptomatic at all in this discussion how do you mean sir when they were discussing how to reopen the parks and when they were talking about the check-ins with the temperature and all of the limitations that will be set in place to prevent people from getting sick at the parks. 
There was no mention in the slightest um, as to how they're going to tackle with potential asymptomatic COVID-19 patients uh, getting, so getting into the park. Okay, so far, they are giving like a five-week uh, uh, symptom basis to see uh, uh, if you've had anything of the of the coronavirus symptoms within the within the past five weeks uh, uh if you do you're not getting in if you do you're you're uh, if you don't you're getting in you know what i mean when is the screening done is this after you've already purchased tickets or you're at the gate of the actual parks um i have no idea right now they're still trying to like get every information out there mm-hmm. but that's the only information that they're that they're allowing to be let out so far well if that's the situation then it's not sufficient at least to my criteria and i want to be very clear no reopening plan that i have seen so far anywhere from any business or any state or any corporation has met has been sufficient um disney has a reputation of safety first. They've been pretty good with that reputation for many, many decades. Um, without, you know, considering history, though, everyone, and I really do mean everyone, seems to be in this horse race um, as to who can reopen the quickest or the fastest. And in my view, little regard has been paid to um, the fact that cases and deaths are only ramping up. Now, as far as China is concerned, there is, I think, justified reasoning to open Shanghai. But China themselves have been overly cautious about bringing about, let's say, a second or third wave of COVID-19. Now, the hope is with Shanghai reopening that it ultimately would have subsided, at least in that region of the world. But mm-hmm. the the fear is that it will almost certainly uh, trigger or spark, if you will, the second wave of COVID-19. Either way you slice it, um, that's just a perfect case for guinea pigs right there to see what's going to happen um these security checkpoints are an extremity for what we would consider to be normal but unfortunately i don't see these um any of this to be all that effective. I think it can help to ease the conscience of guests. I think it can help to maybe catch a few of them. But I can't honestly sit here and say that that actually is going to do any good. Especially if you caught the virus within the within one or two weeks. Yeah, especially. And especially for many other reasons. I just, at the moment, if there is any notice from the audience as to why my voice is filled with such dread at the moment is because I'm just bracing myself for the inevitable, and that is 
many, many more people are only going to get sicker and die because of what's happening, in my view anyway. I don't foresee all of these reopenings that are happening simultaneously. I don't think that's going to result in anything other than death and infection and disease. And to say that I am disheartened, disappointed, and flat out disgusted, quite frankly, underscores what's really, um, what it's making me feel. Um, as far as Disney is concerned, Shanghai is going to be used from their perspective to see whether or not, A, it has subsided in that region of the world, and B, if their um, new policies are going to be somewhat, if any at all, effective to prevent sick people from coming into the parks. And there is speculation. I do want to speak to this because um, I do. I am a regular listener of the Diz Unplugged podcast with Pete Warner over there in Orlando, and he is close to sources within the uh, Walt Disney World. And there is, from all of the sources that he is hearing, and let me just be clear to people who are not familiar, he is 20-plus year veteran as far as like being in this business is concerned. He knows these people. They are telling him that June um, might be when, and I mean early June, might be when the parks reopen in the United States. So Shanghai opening just about a month earlier would suggest they're going to be all eyes on them to see how it goes and see how they can implement it here in the U.S. However, of course, this should we should mention the differences in the Chinese and, of course, the American culture are vast. Um, and stupidity knows no bounds in the U.S., as we've seen every single day of our lives. So, yep. I don't know, to tell you the truth, what um, ultimately is going to happen, but I'm very much um, worried about what will happen. And I don't really think this is something that can be controlled at the moment. And people are acting as if it's, it just went away. Um, the worst case scenario is when they open up the parks in Shanghai or here in the U.S., these policies are ultimately useless. There is an outbreak or, God forbid, a second wave. The parks and subsequently every other business is going to have to reclose yet again. Um, but by then the damage will be done. And in particular to theme parks... If if you thought it was bad with just two months being closed, if this if another outbreak happens in the parks, they'll be closed for even longer, and of course they'll lose even more money, and they'll have no one to blame but themselves. Um, I'm sorry if I'm very pessimistic pessimistic about this, but I frankly am not holding out much hope that um, this is an actual like rational like course. I understand all of the economic and capitalistic arguments as to why you should reopen now. But to me, that doesn't matter compared to human life. It just doesn't and it never will. So I guess I just see the world differently and everybody else just, you know, wants to pretend it doesn't exist. And if they want to do that, I guess it's their right. But um, I'm not convinced at these policies. But you are the one that listened to the call. Mm -hmm. um, they seem pretty confident from what you gathered. They they seemed very confident. Um, it feels like Shanghai Disneyland is like their test rat, mm -hmm. pretty much, to see 
where this thing goes. Yep. Um, honestly, I think that it's ridiculous that any business is open. Um, it honestly, this the this whole coronavirus situation has shown me that people are a lot more stupider than I previously believed. Um, and they'll stop, which is really saying something I have to say. (laughs) And they, they won't stop at nothing. It's just like this endless cesspool of them. It's just a cesspool. That's pretty much what it is. Can I ask you, uh, Kyle, have you seen in the last half hour, um, two headlines that I sent over. Peter Martinez, an associate of ours on this podcast network, um, responded with a gif of somebody just laughing out of pure insanity because of these headlines. I want to read them to you real quick, and I want to get your reaction in real time. And I think okay. that would that would back up with what you're saying right now. The first was, an Ohio lawmaker refuses to wear a mask because he says it dishonors God. That's the first one. How the fuck does it dishonor God? And the other one is three McDonald's workers hurt in customer attack over coronavirus limit. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing, but three McDonald's workers hurt in customer attack over coronavirus limit. <laughs> Okay, nothing nothing says America like McDonald's. First of all, <laughs> yep. Um, secondly, it's I it's absurdly bizarre. Let me. I need to. I have another detail to that story. Two were injured by gunfire, and the third was hurt in a scuffle. Guns and in McDonald's. <laughs> God bless America. <laughs> Oh my god. And this, this was in Oklahoma City, by the way, if you were wondering. Okay. Well, you figure it had to be in the Bible states. Uh and I'm not just saying that as a as a cynical Californian. I'm I'm actually just like where does common sense lie with them all these people? Um and this is why I don't think it may work. Okay, here's the thing. It may it may work in Shanghai Disneyland. But I could guarantee you, it sure as fuck won't work in America. The the difference being here that China has had this a lot longer. Let's not yes. forget this came from there. By the way, when I but say they were, that, but here's the thing. Here's yeah. the thing. They were far more prepared of for this virus. They were more competently uh, secure and uh, situated with how. To deal with everything in terms of like social distancing, wearing masks. I mean, everybody wears masks there regardless because of freaking pollution and all mm-hmm. that shit. So that was like a no brainer for them. But now oh, you, you have to wear a mask. Oh, it's a it's a sin against God. No, the fuck. It's just inconveniencing you, you white twat. Um, the thing the thing that is the most like disgenuous about this whole thing is that I believe that even Paris could uh, with with these enforced rules, I think that they can actually come out of this 
uh, being okay and succeeding uh, with this whole uh, uh, situation with social distancing. And I do think that Euro Disney will uh, will maintain a balance of so uh, what makes us so different. What makes the U.S. so different? Goddamn stupid. Just, 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 just no way of putting it. I have never seen, you know, it, everybody has like a sense of common sense. Freaking, everybody treated the freaking. Okay, I'm gonna say something positively about Kim Jong Un. He took it way more seriously than any typical American would. Mind he you, this, the first people I mean, were shot and killed because they yes, had it. Yes. But just to paint a picture, he took it more seriously than any of our politicians, any of uh, the citizens of America did. And uh, even the the Filipino uh, dictate, I mean, president uh, said so him, you know, said, you know, took these extreme measures. Yes, it is a bit extreme, but they were they were adamant and serious about everything like that and to have everything i mean there was like a there was like these videos of mike pence and donald trump going to a fucking face mask uh a factory and guess what they weren't fucking wearing the leader of the free country the leaders of the free country not wearing a single freaking mask how idiotic like and that's who we're supposed to look up to in the in these times of hardships it it it's absolutely fascinating to me that this show that we're wor- more worse off than ever before um well i mean when you have leaders um and again this is not to be political it's just like for, fuck the parties it's just you know taking these comments as is and like trying to absorb what they mean like when you have people like a senator saying um, he doesn't have to wear a mask anymore because he already had the virus and he can't possibly get it again. Like he literally said that shit. What when you have fuck? when you have like uh, you know, okay. The thing about <laughs> the thing about the common cold is that you could get it again. The thing about freaking the flu. Which this is like a bipart the uh, a by branch of the flu. It's just a severe case of it. Guess what? With the flu, you get it again. There's a thing called flu season. Oh, but science disobeys God. Ooh, and again, I'm not here to. Okay, I, I want to make one thing perfectly clear. I'm not here to question your religion i'm not here to bash any religious groups or anything like that i just want to make perfectly clear don't use zealous inputs or takes in order to disprove common sense it makes you look bad. It makes the congregation look bad. And quite frankly, it just makes you look stupid. Have you seen this headline by the guess who the coronavirus protesters are attacking now? They're attacking scientists. I have here from the Hill blaming them for overhyping a health crisis and in the process creating an economic 
which from one, an economic one from which it will take years to recover. So scientists are now to blame, according to the coronavirus protesters who apparently should not be, you know, judged. Um, and then one more thing. The president said, there'll be more death. There'll just be more death. So, um, is it because people are so driven by capitalism? That's the reason why everybody's acting stupid. Bingo, whatever it is. Yep. What? What were you trying to? Were you trying to do Star Lord? I was just doing whatever. Okay. Um. Do you see why I'm I'm in the mood that I am right now? Like this is just there. There's a okay. There's a passage in the in, in the Holy Scripture, if you will, that says money is the root of all evil. I I strongly disagree with that. Money is the root of all stupid. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's pretty much what all I have to say about that. Um, Shanghai Disneyland, I I believe, can work because they've taken it more seriously than everybody else has um so you then are saying that you agree with me that if the if the united states parks attempt to open in june it's only going to end in disaster yeah specifically america i think that euro disney can't come through i believe that tokyo you know name whatever disney park you know you want and i believe that they can come come through so with then all this when do you think they should try and open the parks then because it seems like they're going to do June, but uh, I think that they should open the parks when a vaccine is open here in America. I think uh-huh. that that's the only way everybody's going to be safe here in this country. Is that I think the I think when a vaccine is ready for the public, I think that is when you should open up major things like that. That's when uh-huh. concert tour should be still going up you know should resume that's when everything all the big public events should be uh, resumed until then everybody should stay the fuck inside um we should note of course over seventy-two thousand people have died of COVID 19 in the u.s in what three months we should um Keep that in mind. Almost pushing one hundred thousand. No, we'll hit. We'll we'll be there in two weeks' time. Um, it doesn't feel good saying that. It feels terrible to say that. Well, you know, seventy, whatever thousand people have died, and we're just trucking on, and we're just gonna move on with it. I apologize. I, I didn't want to take the d- the discussion in this direction. I really didn't. It's okay. It, it's a it it is a topic that is being discussed today that that just needs to be said, um, because I I it, you can't just skirt the situation. You, it is a very vital part of human life right now. It is affecting a lot of things. It, it's it's even affecting our our uh, our shitty fan cast that we have <laughs> right here. Um, Again, I'm not an expert. I'm a, I'm only a lover of Disney and and all that stuff. As as are you, Alexis. But the thing is, is that common sense. We're we're passionate about. It does affect what we 
what we talk about because it's so ingrained with what's happening. You just can't help but talk about that. Um, it's like when people say there's no politics, that there should be politics in movies. Movies and art in itself is very political, you know. Um, somebody, I, I was watching um, talks on Google with Anthony Bourdain, and he said that, you know, there's nothing more political than food, you know, because it does tell what, what is going on in the world and the situation that everybody has, um, depending on the region they live in. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that is where art could help from. Whatever uh, Hollywood is regurgitating, that's what you're going to find out what's going on in in the U.S., Um Whatever is going on in Bollywood, you could get a little hints of what's going on in there. Uh, uh, South American uh, cinema, you could tell what's... I mean, it's just, just everywhere. Politics is everywhere. And, you know, this is not an, an unfortunate case. Uh, something poli- that, that should be tampered with, politi- a political discussion. Um sp- uh, Specifically with pharmaceutical companies and all that stuff. They should delve into this matter uh, because it does affect everyday lives you know and if that is not political i don't know what is um because one it does more affect- thing i want to add on to the parks as okay. fans of disney parks i have listened to several podcasts about what they may look like um with social distancing involved Mm-hmm. And, um, for example, Des Unplugged has several podcasts about what dining would look like, about um, lines and all of that sort. Two issues I have is, and I recognize that maybe it's not part of the discussion, although I at least think it should be, no one and many, many, many Disney fans, it seems, are not really question are as concerned with whether now is the right time they're kind of more concerned with okay how much longer until we can go back that kind of behavior isn't helpful i feel but more to the point why would you want to go if it's going to be like this like we're talking about extreme social distancing policies that will make that is going to inhibit your enjoyment of the park experience. It's not going to be the same. There, are, I've listened to discussions where they can't have parades, they can't have fireworks back, um, there can only be a certain amount of people in like one restaurant, you have to be a certain amount of feet apart from each other. And it's then of definitely going to be post-apocalyptic, and is that the Disney experience you want? It, it's going to be on your mind 24-7. That sense of escapism is not going to be as effective with all of the things literally staring you in the face that remind you of the situation that we're in right now. I just don't understand. Why would you even bother paying for a half experience? You know? It, it's not worth it. At least to me, it's not worth it. Let alone risking yourself and getting sick. I mean, that's Afghanistan should be a concern, but if it's not, I mean, you're still kind of throwing your money away. It's not worth it. I mean, it just boils down to psychology. And to what crevice of the mind, the human mind, I have no idea. 
but it's just it boils down to people's psychological behaviors when it comes to Disney park attendance. Um, yeah, it just makes me so sad. It really does. So yeah, um, more sad news before we got on to I get uh, uh good news quotations. Their um, onward did not meet expectations of revenue, even in the tampered, uh, tampered down expectations of VOD views. Mm-hmm. So I feel really bad about that. Um, what do you think about that? Is it uh, anything of note? Well, it sounds like onward is being shown the shaft. They needed to throw a concession out at the investors to like to admit, oh, we have to admit that we're at fault with something, and it seems that Onward got that treatment. Um, <laughs> I just have to laugh when I hear that, even by our tampered-down expectations. Um, Onward's box office was completely obliterated because it was it coincided with the outbreak of a international pandemic, which shut down theaters all across the globe. Feels like like the following week after we went to go see it, then it was like it was even happening that weekend. It was even happening that weekend. Like there were things in other other parts of the world. So it's like, I it's unfortunate, but I think it's pretty stupid to blame the movie itself for why it made so little money. Oh no, I'm not blaming it. I'm not blaming it at all. Um, it's well, just it's, that, it seems it, as if if Disney themselves are throwing poor onward under the bus, you know. To you know, and, and as as a result, it seems as if they were blaming the movie for how poorly it did, even in VOD, which is a market that um, doesn't make a lot of money. I don't know what you were expecting. And nevertheless, you know, not nevertheless. Uh, even with. The VOD, it is a expanding market. It mm-hmm. is something that is ever growing and it's ever experimental. So, uh, I I don't think that they should have included the VOD. I think for sure you could include like the box office, but I don't think it. it I don't think VOD should have been in consideration with that. Uh, but again, it is an earnings call. Whatever whatever Disney earned that. That quarter, they have to announce it. Um, yeah, I feel really bad. I think this is this is definitely going to become the forgotten Pixar film. Uh, yeah, it, it, it we all saw it coming, but um, it's it has the name Pixar, so it'll only be so forgotten. Like it's not going to be lost to time because it has the affiliation with Pixar and Disney. And I think it, it will have its fans, but I mean, it's just not fair in, in any way. It was just, it's potential like fan base was just bludgeoned to death. Cause it just didn't get the chance to go see it. And even when yeah. it was on VOD, people were like, that was at a time where unlike trolls world tour, which was like a month and a half after that happened. I mean, at that point, nobody was even concerned about media consumption or even purchasing anything on VOD. You know, it just, um, the poor thing never got a chance in either medium. It had a very limited VOD window, and then it was just dropped on Disney+. Plus. In fact, they made the announcement that um, on the day that Onward was dropped on VOD, that it would be available on Disney+, Plus not even two weeks later. Yeah. Which is, like, ridiculous, but... Anyway, um, there was 
I think they should have, like, kept that window open for at least three months to see how it, like, efficiently does on VOD. Which is the standard, that's the standard window, I think. Yeah, Although, to be but fair, the- both Frozen 2 and Rise of Skywalker's, like, VOD window was cut dramatically short to be put on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, but who gives a shit about Rise of Skywalker? Um, well, they made enough money. <laughs> both of them. Disgusting. By the way... Did Frozen 2 make more money at the box office than Star Wars Episode 9? Because I think it I did. Think so. <laughs> that should tell you something. <laughs> you smell that? That's the smell of sweet success. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Show yourself. Um, oh, they showed themselves already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Charmed, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I love Frozen 2. Go see it. I, I think it's good. Uh, Peter doesn't. Who gives a shit? Who? <laughs> exactly. Uh, within two months, Disney lost $1 billion and will go on a further decline within the next year. Yeah. Thoughts? No comment. Um... It's particularly bad timing. For this, you know, as if you're looking looking at it from the viewpoint of a company, which is they are, and that's their job. Um, this did come off the launch of Disney Plus, which will not be profitable for years to come, and then of course a seventy plus billion dollar acquisition of twentieth century Fox, so or twenty first century Fox, I should say. It. Um, wasn't the best time to spend $70 billion, it seems like. Nope. But nevertheless. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's expected. Um, yeah. I feel bad for the cast members. Um, however, they're getting... They're still obtaining uh, pay, which is a good thing. Um, they're still obtaining their health insurance um, throughout this whole entire crisis. So I think that's a good thing. A little bit of good news there. Yeah. You got to take good news when you can get it, right? Um, Speaking of good news, Disney Plus now has 54 million subs with ESPN having 32 million. Okay. They thought by the end of the quarter they were going to have 15. So they exceeded expectations, clearly. Yeah. Did Um, they credit that to any program in particular? Yes, they did. They said, large due part of heavy traffic to the Star Wars division of Disney+. And I was like, yes. Number one, people probably there was probably a spike in uh, subscriptions when the finale of Mandalorian aired. Um, second, there was probably a huge spike when the Clone Wars uh, re-aired, and that was back up and running and everything like that. So I think it's it's so hilarious that Star Wars is the reason. Disney Plus, like, booming like it did. 
um, for sure Disney Plus would have had its audience, but like The Mandalorian and The Clone Wars it, are the reasons why it has an uptick. Well, that would explain why they really values. went above and beyond to uh, m- make a big deal out of Star Wars Day, May the 4th, on Disney yeah. Plus anyway. It, it was <laughs> blasted all over the place. It's so funny. You know, it's so ridiculous that Disney copyrighted made hashtag May the 4th. Hmm. Of course they did. <laughs> fucking ridiculous. But anyway, um, another bit of good news, and you could thank this to Alexis Moreno, Disney Shop Revenue, the DisneyShop.com division revenue excelled to 27%. Well, I mean, if anybody knows how to sell her stuff, it's definitely Alexis Moreno. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Selling herself because, yeah, okay, I get it. I was like, wait, she should be buying that stuff, but oh, I can't. I get it. I get it now. It's um, a double entendre if you think about it. Yeah, well. Well, she, well. But she's so old. She, yes, I was going to say, <laughs> she lived quite a long time. She, she's had her, she's had her time, you know? And then some. And then some. Oh, God. <laughs> Um, that was it. That was pretty much it for the courier call. They they included other percentages and all this stuff, and I'm not an economics major or study economics enough to understand what the fuck that means. <laughs> the rest of the percentages and all that stuff. Um, I, just, I think the big question is now, uh, looking at Disney+, Plus. well, since most of the Star Wars stuff has subsided, the Mandalorian documentary series just began, and I would assume it's going to go under an eight-week run. Um what happens uh, after? What happens then? Yeah. What now? Or now what? <laughs> now what? Bum, That's it's kind of the thing, <laughs> you know. I've actually uh, speaking of Disney Plus and some, um, we just celebrated the series finale of the Clone Wars. What I've kind of been keeping um, my mind on is I've kind of created a makeshift like nonstop Star Wars marathon. Um, I curated some. Some of my favorite Clone Wars arcs from the later seasons coincided uh-huh. with um, the Siege of Mandalore four-part finale. I then watched Revenge of the Sith and then immediately began to watch um, select episodes of Rebels. So, yeah. I plan to keep going to the finale, which is Last Jedi. Okay, I see what you mean. <laughs> Okay, I see what you did there. But actually, I wanted to see how it was. How um, how now having the Clone Wars been officially properly concluded, I wanted to see how that flowed into Rebels. Seamless transition. Seamless okay. transition. Honestly, it feels like it just picks up right after, especially since it involves a lot of key characters from Clone Wars. So, and it it's it, like Rebels is a really interesting, like a really helpful transition from. The remnants of Old Republic era into the Rise of the Empire era of the original trilogy. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what's been keeping my mind, uh, or at least my time with uh, on Disney+. Plus. But it, it does beg the question, right? Like, if Star Wars has kind of reached its peak, at least for the year, I don't think Mandalorian... Are, well, that's not, I'm not sure. Did you have any information on Mandalorian Season 2? 
Yes, I want to get to that a little later. Okay, okay. I was, um, I was after going to inquire as to when it was going to be dropped or if they had already been filmed. I don't oh, know. Oh, they. Okay, it's all filmed. It's all okay. squared away. As far as I'm concerned, the whole. Um, what's it called? The whole Rosio Dawson. Rosario? 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 Rosario Dawson. Rosario, Rosario Dawson. Um, she's filmed her scenes a long time ago. Um, and it got I would far, imagine. Far away. Yeah. yeah, she filmed her scenes a long time ago. Um, we don't know how big of a role she has in this season. Um, but if you're going to cast Rosario Dawson as uh, Ahsoka Tano, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a big role. And that's not the only Ahsoka-related content that we're expected to get from what I'm... I've There are a lot of really reliable outlets that have been reporting on rumors for months now that the sequel series to Rebels, which is going to feature Ahsoka Tano and Sabine Wren on the search for Ezra Bridger, um, mm-hmm. is supposed to be, like, dropping late this year. Right. And I, it, it's, like, it's really interesting, like, that area. I wonder if what is going to happen that year is going to, like, lead into what happens in The Mandalorian Season 2. Right. Or, like... I, we have no idea what the logistics of anything is at this point. All we know is like a few updates on who's directing who and all that stuff. Um, so speaking of that, the Mandalorian season two, it was announced that Robert Rodriguez and Peyton Reed are doing, um, are directing uh, some episodes of the Mandalorian season two. Um, one in particular um, uh, decreases my hype for uh, the Mandalorian season two because I, I I'm in the I'm in the vast minority amongst my group. I know a lot of people love the Mandalorian and like it and all that stuff. I really like it too. <laughs> um, the only there there's only, really there's only two things I really didn't like Star Wars related under the Disney regime and that's rise of Skywalker and solo, but that's pretty much it. I've liked a lot of the other stuff. Um, but Peyton Reed, he directed Ant-Man and the Womp Womp and Ant-Man and, and all that stuff. And yes, I am coining I your term, I, Alexis. I, I love how I made that stick. Ant-Man and the Womp Womp. <laughs> I'm just coining your term. I'm just, I'm just using it because it's Oh a, my God. Weren't you so incredibly bored when we did that audio commentary together? I was, I was dying. <laughs> I was dying. I wasn't even entertained. I was no. just like, like, it, I think it's unfair. First of all, I think it's unfair because it just came off the cusp of the Infinity War. Um, but even then I was just like, the only interesting thing that came out of that whole movie was the final scene where they were testing out the, um, the quantum realm and everybody was turning to dust, but that was just because it tied in with the infinity war. So I didn't really give a shit about everything else. Didn't give a shit about Lawrence Fins Fishburne. And I didn't care about anything else. I just, he was in that movie. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. I didn't, I didn't care about the ghost. Whatever, whatever. I didn't care about anything else about what was going on. I don't know what the name of the villain was, or if there was a villainess. I don't. I have no idea. It was just I. I. I just didn't care. 
Um, and with Peyton Reed directing, I just like it tampers. And you, you, you suggested to me, not suggested, you told me that directors and a TV show as large as this, uh, in this, uh, in this situation kind of don't matter. Mm-hmm. But, um, I, think I can that, elaborate on that if you'd like, because that's I know, actually because like showrunners showrunners are the ones who are usually the brains behind the whole entire organization in tv shows are concerned they're the ones who like the 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 showrunners and the writers have the bulk of the creative force the directors are brought in to make it look nice yeah but they hardly have like a say but like stuff people like you know deborah chow and and uh and uh what's it what is it what is the what is the name? Taika Waititi, Bryce Dallas Howard, and uh, and uh, Dave Filoni. They they uh, and and I, I'm forgetting his name. I'm forgetting his name. I'm sorry, dude. I liked your work too. I loved everybody's work on uh, on the Mandalorian, but I just like Peyton Reed. I'm pretty sure. He's gonna film it bland, and because he's he's just he's just bland. He thinks he's funny, but he's just bland. Um, what else? Oh, but then it but then it uh, shoots back up a little bit because Robert Rodriguez is uh, directing an episode too, and I think that's gonna be some spicy fun. You know, I think I think it's just gonna be, I think that's gonna be a romp to like see what he does in the in a Star Wars setting like that. Um. Even though he won't be writing it, I'm pretty sure he's gonna film it like he does with his uh, with his uh, mariachi trilogy uh, or the Spy Kids <laughs> or Sin City, just like stylistic uh, uh, stuff like that, and it, it, with it being kind of like a western scenario, I think that that lend itself perfectly. Uh, yeah, but those are the only two like concrete information bits that we got out of Mandalorian season two. I mean, okay. Does any of that interest you? Does that any of that make you mad or you still just don't give a rat's ass about Mandalorian? Give me a second to process this. It's a very complicated question to answer. Um, if the question is, does this news about Robert Rodriguez or Peyton Reed excite me? Absolutely not. I couldn't give a shit. And I I couldn't give a shit for the same reasons I don't give a shit about any of the other directors. It, It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Like, I'll give you an example why I don't think it matters. I saw the season... I reviewed it on Red Spotlight with Alexis Moreno and with uh, Peter Martinez a few weeks back. And one of the controversial um, statements that I hold that I know you disagree with is as far as the Filoni-directed episodes, which are considered to be the worst of the season, I honestly couldn't really tell that it dipped in quality. And now that may, and that may have been because I just didn't think at all highly of any of the episodes that I witnessed. I think they were all varying degrees of fun and there was good direction and good writing and ultimately like nothing that's going on on the screen is truly awful. It's not. 
it i don't know man i i guess the weird is that there, there's some weird things about the show that don't gel with me like another one of these like weird claims is i think solo a star wars story had like that felt more like the star wars universe than this felt like and this felt like people that were desperately trying to recreate the star wars universe that being said i don't care really at all like i'll watch it when it comes Mm -hmm. but it's like i've kind of resigned myself to what the series is going to be and i binge watched the last five episodes at once and even then i was struggling to really care about what was going on i really was and that's not because i went into like yes there was some uh a little bit of resentment in terms of like the stature it has in the in in people in certain people's eyes but if it was good i really wouldn't have cared and it is good it just doesn't really appeal to me like i'll watch it i'll have fun but like it doesn't stay with me Okay, is the stink of the Sigma with The Last Jedi so no, strong I just that said you just no. can't over... No. I mean, that stuff is there, but like, I, I, I don't really... All of that is further, further things that make me not feel so happy about the series. But when I'm talking about the quality of a series, I don't necessarily let that affect my overall view of it i just said uh-huh. it was a good show and there was a lot of good stuff in it like the, the costumes the visual effects yes you can see the budgeting but it is a tv show i think i'm being very fair to it what i am saying is i'm not saying that it's bad i'm saying i just don't care i literally have little to care about okay um like to me that the mandalorian is the worst star wars um, and worst in terms of like my capacity to give a shit. Um, I think it would be right above Solo and Rise of Skywalker, though. Like Solo, I don't even remember all that well, uh-huh. and I've seen it like three or four times. <laughs> I think I've seen it three times. Um, and Rise of Skywalker is literally like vomit. So I mean. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, but if like if you like the show, uh, for people who do love the show, I, I I'm sure like this is like okay. I but but to suggest as if like the directors are like warrant any kind of like discussion about like or the impact of what it's gonna look like, I I I, I kind of really laugh at that because really it's John Favreau's show, and again like all of the creative choices are on him. So, I mean, if we're uh-huh. going, like, this is hilarious, right? If we're going to praise John Favreau for all the things that people praise him for, we should put him at fault for a lot of the things that he does. And so, like, if people ultimately had problems with those Dave Filoni episodes, yeah, he directed them, and they may have been the most poorly directed episodes of the season. But again, like, that didn't happen without John Favreau's, like, signing off the dotted line here and there. So, and that that's not to absolve Dave. Like he, he's, I think 
people have watched the Mandalorian part one of the documentary series and Dave has always been up front. It's like, I don't know how to direct live action. We got yeah. that. He never has done that oh, before. By the way, I, I know you don't give a shit and you probably won't watch it. Uh, the Disney gallery, uh, Mandalorian when it was talking, it, it was pretty much a director featurette mm-hmm. of like all the directors who directed it. Um, uh, Dave Filoni is freaking hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I've only been watching Dave give interviews for like over a decade. I know, and I probably will watch it for him at some I'm, point. I'm probably. But let me gonna... ask you this question, though: How is the series on substance, as far as like making certain creative decisions? Because I've heard some mixed things about it. What do you mean? Do they get into like oh um, character discussion? Or they they just talk about like how it was filming and getting together and like doing a live action Star Wars show. Like what what do they discuss in that first part mostly? Um, they talked about particularly their directing styles. They haven't okay. gotten to character yet. They just talked about like what they what they did to what they had to offer to bring the to the to the table. Okay. Given that it's an eight-part series, I'm sure they'll get into that. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm asking that question because what I did see was, I think, 20 or so minutes of the Skywalker legacy, which was the uh, feature documentary attached to Rise of Skywalker. Right. Just to see. And honestly, I am very curious to hear J.J. Abrams' audio commentary in that movie because I just want to know what you were thinking. That's all I want, man. I really want to know what you were thinking. Like, And I mean this. I just want to hear it from his words. And I, uh, the commentary, it's not available on Disney Plus. Why? I don't know. Did you just just do it? You you just want to understand the man. (laughs) I just want to understand what happened. And so I watched 25 minutes of that Skywalker (laughs) legacy. And dude, like, there's no discussion about, like, any of the creative decisions or why they were made. It's just them like talking about, oh look, how cool would it be to do this or look at us filming that. Like like I I only got a little bit of like when John Williams is was discussing um Luke lifting up the X Wing um and the Rise of Skywalker. And while I think that was a cool moment because it's like tying it full circle again, but I, I'm a Star Wars fan, I would say that. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> uh it like John Williams was like, why would why would Yoda's theme be inserted here? And he's like, uh and then JJ would explain he'd be like, yeah, it's okay, the fans would get it. The situation um, with uh, that particular scene is very <sighs> it's frustrating because if I were to remove all of that from it as a Star Wars fan, if that scene beat for beat had been in a much better movie, I'm I think people would still complain about it, but I wouldn't care because I think that would like it does embody like this whole all of this coming full circle. And yeah. I get what that was was trying to evoke. And, and I, think- I, I didn't necessarily like it because I recognized what it was. I liked it because in the moment while watching the movie, it was one of the few things that felt appropriate, at least somewhat appropriate. Uh-huh. Right? Because like it, 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 
the things that are incomplete about Luke's journey and all that stuff that I think that was really fascinating because like where he like in terms of like where Luke is uh, as a as a force user and as a Jedi, I think that was really nice to see him lift up the X-wing versus where he couldn't when he was just starting off in uh, the Empire Strikes Back. I think that was a good character beat for me, even though it was ham-fisted with nostalgia but i think that that the nostalgia bit i think it really helped in terms of like lift up where he is as a as a as a person so i think that was a good luke skywalker moment i like what especially what it was trying to evoke but at the same time like it is probably the scene that most exemplifies why this movie just fell apart entirely uh, because it was just all callbacks, and it was just like, oh, remember this? This is cool, and and all that. And honestly, like Rise of Skywalker does not, you know, lend itself to that kind of discussion that I think is worthy. Because here's the thing: J.J. Abrams, he like he wants to get the feeling of Star Wars, but not knowing what that feeling is. You know, so he wants, you know, he wants the action. He wants the lightsaber fights. He wants, you know, the choreographed, you know, notions of it. He wants Star Wars music cues because when he was young, he listened to the, uh, to the A New Hope soundtrack, you know, and he would picture the movie in his head while listening to it. You know, I get that, but it's just, it's cool that you feel these things about Star Wars and I'm not going to fault you for feeling the way you do about Star Wars because I think everybody points fingers of like that's not how Star Wars is you know too much you're allowed to have your own interpretation of what it is and we have to be okay with it because by the very nature of the many generations of this franchise they've changed We've talked about how the original trilogy was science fantasy and the prequels were science fiction and the sequels were like a mishmash of that. Like you can only get so consistent. And because of the many, we have like what, at least three generations now, like they're going to have their own different version of what Star Wars is. That that's perfectly fine. But I mean, now that you have this accumulation of two trilogies at once, you're going to have the nostalgia of the both the two trilogies for those who grew up with the originals and the ones who grew up with the prequels are going to have that nostalgia of both. And I don't think when you, when the prequels were happening, I don't think that there was the, they didn't have one more other trilogy to look back on. Um, and it's going to constantly evolve. It's going to constantly change. Star Wars is going to be different in 10 years than it was now. Uh, it's just, the rudimentary thing of character building and story structure should be first over nostalgia bits. I think should be put first in terms of making a movie. And because that's what you're making a movie. You're not making a pop-up book of the greatest hits of Star Wars. Um, while that could be nice for a finale, in order, it, the finale is like two hours and ten minutes, even though it feels like freaking ten decades long. <laughs> um, it it shouldn't be that. It, it should be. You should still be grounded in your storytelling. Return of the Jedi was that. As much faults as Revenge of the Sith has, it was also based deeply on storytelling as well. 
and Rise of Skywalker did not have that. It was just a bunch of callbacks with tightly loose ends. It's just the interesting dichotomy of J.J. Abrams as a filmmaker is that and you have to look at the rise of Skywalker as a petri dish. He has all of the emblematic um, properties that J.J. Abrams shows in all of his movies. And yet even when he is convinced that he is being bold and ambitious, it's nothing more than... Well, actually, it's even less than... Um, the result is far less than what even his most um, mediocre of works have been. And I, I get that that's a harsh thing to say, but um, yeah, again, we're talking about a movie most people didn't even remember at this point. Oh, also, I, I wouldn't have minded, um, you know, again, I don't mind things coming full circle. I don't, I, cause that, that's a character beat and a story beat of things coming full circle. Finality, you know, you gotta close that circle in order to have that finality. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. We, we've had so many freaking podcasts discussing, you know, what Star Wars is to us. And we will until the end of time. It's just how things are gonna be. Yeah, and when you bring up Star Wars in a discussion or anything like that with us, that's pretty much going to be the point for the course. Um, yeah, I think that's all I have to say about that. You? Do you like my new screensaver? The final shot of uh, Clone Wars. It's really mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. Um, I went and watched the, um, the four episodes again, uh, oh. back to back to back mm-hmm. to back, um, to back. Did I mention four backs? I think probably so. maybe, yeah. five. I don't know. Um, it's, it's so well pieced together. Yeah. It's so well pieced together. I, I like the way it ended. It's mm-hmm. such I'm still in shock of how it ended because like it 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 Ryan Johnson me. It went where I didn't we think speechless. it would go. We, we we reacted to it live and like um we were all just <gasps> we were in stunned silence, I think all three of us. Yeah. I mean by the way, that episode was fun. I hope to do something like that again. Mm-hmm. Um where we live react to something. Um do a commentary. I don't know. We'll see. The, Can we live react goes. to President Trump's re-election inaugural? No, 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 nope, nope. Mm-mm. Insert that, insert that GIF of a, of a, Danny DeVito just doing this. Nope, nope, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I um. Oh, unrelated, unrelated. Um. I'm I'm happy. I'm happy. I I pulled the trigger. I I I bought HBO Max. Well, not the company. You subscribed. I subscribed. (laughs) You. I bought HBO Max. Everyone, it's 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 joining the Red Spotlight Entertainment family. Hope you enjoy. (laughs) It's so nice to have friends because then you feel like you're Thanos. Like you have like 
um, the Infinity Gauntlet, and instead of Infinity Stones, you have like all streaming of the streaming service. services, <laughs> which we're all subscribed to in one way or the other, from Prime to Hulu to Disney Plus and Netflix and now HBO Max. Um, yeah, and Dis DC Universe and so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, I pulled the trigger because I why? Want- well, I gotta ask what 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 made you do that? First of all, I saw the price tag. It was. 12 bucks versus 15 for a month okay. if I do it now. So that is a good <laughs> See, motivator. See, 3 bucks a month, uh, what's it, 12 months times 3? How much does that save you, like 33? 33, Not 33, 33, 40 bucks, somewhere uh-huh, around there. Around there. Um, so we don't bad. do math, people. I'm sorry. We, we're, we're, <laughs> I don't know maths. <laughs> no. Um, so I we have that, and honestly, I just like... Because, like, looking at all the content that's going to be coming out pretty soon on, on uh, HBO Max, and just to have, like, the embarrassment of riches of the library from Warner Brothers and all that stuff, I think that's really, I think that's a worthy investment, I think. It is. And I have to say, also, I was, Doctor Who's going to be on there. Shit, I yeah. mean, yeah, that was the thing. Like, with Doctor Who there, I can start a rewatch um, all 12 seasons. Doctor Who. Dude. 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 Plus all 10 seasons of Curb Your Enthusiasm, which I have to say is a must watch. And also seven seasons of Veep. I love Veep. You should watch Veep. It's hilarious. Mm -hmm. And um, the original that I'm looking forward to the most for the streamer is those Looney Tunes shorts. They look like they leapt off, you know, the prints of the old cartoons. Yeah. Um, it definitely captures the spirit in like a modern day storytelling sense. I think that I think that's really unique. Elmo, the El- the Elmo talk show, I mm-hmm. think is really interesting, and I want to see what they do with that. That I'm, I'm a sucker for talk shows, and I'm a sucker for Sesame Street. So I think the I think the those two categories come together is just it, it piqued my interest, and it speaks to me. Um. Dune is getting its own series on HBO Max. Um, the back catalog. I've been meaning to, because I watched the first season of The Wire. Um, and it was nowhere unless I buy the whole entire series. Um, but it's there on HBO Max now. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really interesting. And I want to I wanna finish that. Game uh, of Thrones is on there. What? Game of, <laughs> Game of Thrones. Game Are we going to... Game of Thrones? What's what's that? The first six seasons of Game of Thrones are on there. Six We'll leave seasons? it there. We'll leave it there then. Apparently it's controversial to discuss now. Okay. The I've... Winds of Winter was a series finale. It ended Tru- perfectly with Cersei blowing everybody up. That's how I choose to see it. <laughs> okay, truth be told, I'm I'm in the minority of people who actually liked the final season. I didn't Flawed. despise it. I do, however, um understand and share the frustrations of what could have been considering that the creators not the creators yeah. but the, the producers were just like rushing it like overly rushing the the, the, the finale for of it to this. be freaking useless <laughs> for rushing. yeah yeah um so yeah kathleen kennedy she needs to get her her shit together i gotta i gotta say that stop firing your freaking creatives let them do their work let them do their job <laughs> 
Meanwhile, we just bitched about like, no, how dare you, J.J. Abrams, for doing your job. Um, I yeah, I'm controversial. I know, but I I think I I'm I'm in the minority of people who are actually satisfied with how Game of Thrones ended. Um, again, but yeah, HBO Max. I'm uh HBO, yeah. HBO Max. Uh, I have instant access right now to HBO Now. So if you if if, if you, you have watch... if the miniseries Chernobyl, I never got to finish it. I watched the first two or three episodes. Magnificent storytelling. Very also ominous, considering that it delves into a situation that we We're kind of right find now. ourselves in right now. But holy crap! Richard Harris is an amazing actor. Is it Richard Harris or Rich or Jared Harris? Maybe it's Jared, Jared Harris. Harris. Jared yeah. Harris. Excuse me. Um, he was an. I've always loved him as an actor. He was great in the Sherlock Holmes movie, as well as in The Crown. So yeah, I definitely recommend Chernobyl. From what I saw, it was very very good. I. I I said it once and I said it and I'll say it again. If they reboot Harry Potter or do like a series on HBO Max uh to like have like a hbo max uh they're gonna series. have to they're gonna have to because they lost lord of the rings yeah to amazon if they do do a series to do like a faithful adaptation of the of the books i want jared harris to play dumbledore that would be nice because honestly yeah, i think okay, that would be interesting one, he's a great though. actor yeah but do you second- think though that would cause a riot in the potterhead community what the the existence of a retelling of the eight movies because you're basically doing the exact same story but again do you feel that that will cause mixed feelings okay i okay mixed feelings and maybe but i think it would lean more positive than you think because a lot of people wanted a lot more that came out uh, than we got out of the movies i understand yes because there are so many details and so many nuances within the novel that you can't possibly fit into a movie. You can't. Yeah. yeah. This is a Disney podcast, but we're talking about this, but who who gives a shit? It's my podcast. Um, I, I, I think, like, yeah, I mean, with, there was like a lot more nuances with like, you know, the final battle that we just didn't get. It was just silent blasting at each other's wands. And that was pretty much it. it. Also, in solitude, like they were in the middle of the Great Hall, and the, um, you know the um, the Great Hall is, you know where everybody ate in Hogwarts, Alexis. Everybody what about ate? Hogwarts? Okay, you weren't listening. I'm sorry, um, I was distracted by some idiotic comment. Uh, continue. There. Okay, so the Great Hall where everybody ate in Hogwarts, uh-huh. where Everybody ate. That was where the final battle was between Harry and Voldemort. Um, not outside the castle. Not outside on the outskirts of, you know, away from everybody. It was so more meaningful to like where Voldemort was in a more fragile state of him being completely uh, freaking roasted by a teenager in the whole entire uh during the whole entire fight he was like that wand never belonged to you right right because you know the wand chooses the wizard and if you know wand tech 
you know, that, you know, the logistics of that. And he was saying, you know, uh, you know, not so smart, are you, Voldemort? Huh, huh. And he was constantly egging him on. And Voldemort was constantly getting more pissed and pissed. And honestly, it was great storytelling and great back and forth and a great final showdown because it was pretty much, yeah, Harry gave like the final blow in terms of like the wand blast, but really what destroyed Voldemort was his ego. You know, and he let himself down. And so you can't, you didn't get that with the final Harry Potter book uh, or the the final Harry Potter movie when you got that. Um, there's just different things that, you know, everything has to be cut down for time. And I think you, with a series, I think everybody, I think a lot of people who love the movies would find a little bit more um, and there's love a the problem as well. What? You know her name. J.K. Rowling, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't uh, think that any kind of Potter project would be sanctioned if not for her seal of approval. Um, I don't know why she would say no, because that's just like easy money, you'd think. Right. Yeah, <laughs> but that's you gonna know, definitely drive up the. I mean, much like Star Wars with yeah. uh, with the Disney Plus, a new Harry Potter show, a faithful retelling of her books. That's like money. She your- might be more cut out. Maybe if I were her, I would redirect my creative muscles in that direction. Because from what I understand. A film screenplay writer she is not. I haven't seen the second uh, Fantastic Beasts, and maybe I shouldn't from what I've heard. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. <laughs> I'm a lot more forgiving with stories and all that stuff, but that took the cake. Again, writing you- for TV in, in many ways is much easier because you have much more space. I've always uh-huh. argued that you know a translation um, from film to movies is not going to be as as freeing as it would be if you were to do a television series uh, translation of it. You have much more space to utilize um, even in eight episodes than you do with a film. A film is just ridiculous amount of like, you got to make a story in two and a half hours, two hours yeah. even. It's crazy. I mean, with the Harry Potter uh, series, just make turn three chapters i was even having this discussion with peter that it chapter two might get a treatment like this because the director shot a three-hour cut not a three-hour cut maybe even a five-hour cut they said it was a five-hour cut i heard five to six yeah and they they had a lot of material. they could easily make that an hbo max like turn like the it movies into a series that would be interesting to see it might even work better than it did in the movie it chapter two was kind of lackluster from the first film anyway I still liked it though. It was enjoyable in spades, but it just was, it was more obviously flawed as a film than the first movie was. Yeah. And also I think like we were so enamored by the performances of the kids in the first one. that was kind of hard to, uh, it was a lot of issues with the film that kind of kept it. Um, but that being what they are. Yeah. Yeah. I am a little, I know we're talking about this WB stuff in a Disney podcast, but like, um, I'm a big fan of Mike Flanagan's Doctor Sleep film. Obviously, uh-huh. it was like my in my top five of 2019. 
Moreno liked it very much as well. Peter also did. Um, why he isn't enlisted to do the Shining series and instead J.J. Abrams is kind of vexes me because, like, what? <laughs> if anything, I could see J.J. Abrams doing, like, Star Trek, a Star Trek series. Well, to be fair to J.J. Abrams and Bad Robot, that, I think J.J. Abrams is a much better producer than he is a, a creator. Let's be real about that. So is he producing the It series? Bad Robot. Okay. Technically is. That's his production company. Okay. Well, I don't, in that case, he couldn't have Mike Flanagan be the showrunner of It. It could be. Much like uh, the Hercules thing that we're going to talk about, that's not Joe and Anthony Russo personally making the – it's their production company making yeah. that adaptation. Should Watch. we segue? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah. I mean – Unless you um, have another question. I'm sorry. Did it, I cut you off? It, so far, it is confirmed that um, that Hercules, a live-action adaption of Disney's Hercules, is going to happen with uh, Joe and Anthony Russo producing. Um, it is confirmed who's going to be Hercules, who's going to be Meg, um, and who's going to be Hades so far. Now, who it they cast? Now, who they cast as uh, as uh, Hercules is going to be Chris Evans. Megara is going to be played by Scarlett Johansson, and Hades is going to be played by Robert Downey Jr. Now let let's talk about. <laughs> Alexa's That's a lie, lie. people. It's That's an obvious. Lie. It's an obvious joke. Um, but honest with although honestly, I could see Robert Downey Jr. nailing Hades. To be honest, uh, in that role. Um, but I digress. Let's uh, let's talk about this. Uh, another remake. I know you're not a particular fan of remakes. Is it is it still soured, or or does the name Joe and Anthony Russo kind of entice you a little bit? Joe and Anthony Russo. Um, well, I'll borrow, I'll, I'll borrow a term from Campia. Um, I bow at the altar of Joe and Anthony Russo and whatever they do, and I am extraordinarily. Um, <laughs> I really love their work as directors. I haven't seen any of the stuff they do with their production company from what I've heard and hasn't been all that great. I know that the Chris Hemsworth movie Extraction on Netflix has been so successful that it's warranted a sequel that's already been confirmed. Yeah. Um, and it carries a lot of the signature Russo action. I, I take it that the Russos at the moment, I know that, that they're currently... Wrapping up a, a, a film they directed with Tom Holland that should be out, I think, in the next year or so. But um, all the God other really. projects, I know, all the other projects have been through their production company. Um, and they're really trying to get that off the ground. So this is a big get for them to be somewhat involved in a Disney live action remake, which presumably this is going to be for theatrical release, not necessarily Disney plus. Although, Oh, it's gotta be a theatrical right. release. If the question is, does it make me interested? I love the Russos, but no, Still no, no, <laughs> no. Fuck. Cause no. it's a, cause it's a remake. <laughs> I don't really care for Hercules all that much. I, I think the music is great. I think it, it's otherwise a good film. It, it never was one of my favorites, so I hold no nostalgia to it, first and foremost. The whole um, style of remakes, I think, is flawed. 
I might be more excited had I already seen Mulan and how they approached that. It's interesting though that the Russo's company is involved because of that all, also of all production companies. Well, it right? begs the question then: Is this going to be a musical or not? Because if because if if there if this is going to be a live action remake of the original Hercules film from Disney, what? imply that perhaps they would use the music although you can't be overly sure of it are they going to lean more to like the mythology of hercules like, which is also like, a problem because we've seen too many of those and all those sucked so it's like yeah. i i don't really care one way or the other <laughs> i think uh, yeah i don't think this is going to be any good even with the russos involved and um yeah You'd think that this would get me interested, but if anything, it makes me even less interested. And I kind of get, like, I'm not at all caring about this whatsoever. Let's paint a picture here. If it was more straight-up action-orientated. It probably will be, but even then, like, I don't know, like... I guess there does exist the room for this to be unique and new and different. Those capacities do exist. But when you look at the recent track record, I can't help but be, again, pessimistic about what this would be like. This could be Disney's version of Gladiator. If things go right. Um, but again, I just... I I, I, I I don't know. I'll see how I feel come... July is that when Mulan is supposed to come out, or is that has it been pushed until next year? Mulan is supposed to be released July. Okay, whether it will be. Okay, let's put dates aside. I'll see how I feel. We would have already seen it by now. You isn't that crazy? Yeah, we would have. Okay, no, just okay. You you opened up the barrel floods. Oh my god! Yes, James Bond. We get it. We get it. We get it. See, no time to die already. We would have already been in the motherfucking Disney parks already, reviewed it, talked about it, everything. But Kyle, it, it, it's we have to be wary though. Like until we see the next Disney live action remake after Mulan, it's really hard to say if the quality of the film was a fluke or the start of something new. It's so hard to say. Until after we see Mulan and we see the results of what happens coming after. Well, maybe even, maybe even like, I mean, it's dependent on the subsequent film, which I would assume was Lin-Manuel Miranda and the Little Mermaid live action remake, which if you have Lin-Manuel Miranda, it's going to be be a a musical. Of course. It's going to be a musical. It's going to be a straight up remake. Um, Yeah. There's. There's no doubt about that. I don't think they were going to ever do something unique with the Little no, Mermaid. No. Um, Hercules, you do have the opportunity to do something like that with echoes, like what they're doing with Mulan of the of the scores of the previous film. Uh, but I don't know. I just had a thought. Like, if Disney Plus needs more traffic, like I don't understand what what would please Disney fans more. Than just giving them National Treasure Three and Princess Diaries Three, like those are movies that you have been like rumored for eons. It seems like just yeah. do them. 
<laughs> I would please Alexis Moreno for sure. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, but I mean, I, I, unlike you, I did enjoy Royal Engagement. I do like those movies, and I also do like both National Treasures films. I'm moderately entertained by the by the first Princess Diaries. I saw Royal Engagement on the, in the theaters. <laughs> I like the movie. I don't know why you hated it. Uh, I'll leave it to Miranda to talk about it. I don't care. It, I, it, it's cringe. I, I, I just find it cringe. That's it. Okay. Um, I haven't did, the slightest idea what you find about it all that cringeworthy considering it's not that different from the first movie. It did introduce me to Chris Pine, though. Oh, yes. Oh, God. <laughs> The whole world was introduced to Chris Pine. (laughs) The the way you said, oh, yeah. (laughs) I was channeling Maz Kanata there (laughs) from Last Jedi. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The Master Codebreaker, can he break anything? Oh, yeah. (laughs) That movie is so good, goddamn enjoyable. I don't know why. It's the series finale of Star Wars. If anything, like, I don't see why everybody's like, at most, I'm entertained by it, you know? But it's it's an entertaining movie. I just, people, I, people are idiots, Ron. Um, ooh, speaking of which, and this is, again, this is a Disney podcast, and we're talking about everything but Disney. Did you see the Parks and Recreation special? Mm, like five minutes of it. Five um, minutes of it? I have to get used to the format because it just reminds me of like anxiety of trying to connect with people. So it's like, okay, but the writing is like, they never stopped writing for an episode of the series. Like it just jumps right back into it. It's, it's on point for who the characters are and what the story is. So, so far it was working for me. It's great how the character, like the actors could like jump back into that character, especially um, Amy Poehler and all of them jumped back into it. (laughs) Nick Offerman is still the funniest part wrong. was there was a shot from what I saw and I haven't seen all of it but there was this thing where Andy Dwyer was like of course locked in his garage and then we cut to Ann Perkins and I'm like I used to date that guy <laughs> and yeah. that felt like from the episodes so yeah yeah you could see like a quick zoom in reaction of like yep. everything like that if it were like in a thing but it's an ingenious concept though uh, Pawnee gets the coronavirus and them dealing with the with the aftermath of that it's a good good concept i'm pretty sure um we're gonna see more reunions come out of this whole thing via zoom and filmed from their homes and and all that stuff i could definitely see like i I mentioned it before um in another podcast i don't know which one we did um but i could definitely see the cast of the office Doing right. something like this, um, but yeah, I have no other thoughts. Do you? No. Yeah. No. Well, no. Oh no. Oh wow. <laughs> oh wow. Kachow! I got the coronavirus now. Oh wow. <laughs> Stay indoors, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. <laughs> Dead gum. Oh I God. want McDonald's. <laughs> I had McDonald's this weekend, by the way. It was very good. I had a 
a Big Mac with um did you know that they changed it? Like um you know how we used to get like the twelve dollar deal, whatever that was? They changed it to the fourteen ninety whatever deal. And what's different about it is instead of it being like ten piece chicken McNugget for each it's now 20 piece and I wasn't aware of it. So I got that and I basically, and it wasn't for myself. It was for the family. I ended up, my intention was to come back with like 20 piece McNuggets. And so there was a massive 40 piece haul that they put in there. And I was like, holy fuck knuckles. Yeah. Fuck your chicken nuggies. Um, from a oh, film we used to I work on. When yeah. this is all over, we got to, we got to, she had texted me today randomly saying that she was in love with that new Ryan Murphy Hollywood series on Netflix. Ooh, I've been wanting to get into that. I've been wanting to get into that. And, and you're a big fan of his work, so I'm sure you'd like, I like it. I like Ryan Murphy. I do like it. Schlock and all. I love it. Um, and also, like, the cast is really interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, you have Darren Chris, Jim Parsons. Um, has, I like, saw was, a bit of Parsons. He's pretty hysterical from what I saw. Um, he plays a sleaze bag, which is really, really opposite from like the nerd that he plays. Yeah, on the Big Bang Theory. So it's just really interesting to see like what happens like that. Oh, by the way, the Big Bang Theory turned me off completely. Just like it's fake. Uh, uh, implicates of like how ner- like geeks and all that stuff are. I, that 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 notion just really turned me off, and just like. No, no. Um, yeah. How is she doing, by the way? She okay? Good. Yeah. I mean, her professor died, but other than that, she's okay. Oh, bloody professor. Um, yeah. Did you like what you heard here? If you did, you could check us out everywhere you listen to Oh, podcasts. wait. I would be remiss if I didn't say this. No, I'm kidding. I won't do it. <laughs> I won't do it because it'll piss you off. Oh, oh God. Um, the return of an old love of yours, Kyle, has come back. Gross. It's on the horizon. Gross. No. No. What is it? No, I know Tell what me it is. Tell me what is it. What is it? What is it? Tell I'm the not, people so they know. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it because then I acknowledge its existence. May 27th Gross. on ABC. Wednesdays at ten. Catch it. <laughs> I I, vom- I I can't vomit physically in my mouth. It's the final season. Season of Agents of Shield. Yes, yes, yes. It's it's Shield. God damn it. Another David season. and I will be talking about that show when it comes back. So on our are new you, series, beyond I'm kidding. There's only a new series. Are you gonna finally do? <laughs> Behind the shield or beyond behind or the whatever. shield, we go back and we we're gonna go back to the beginning and review every single episode of oh, uh, yes. Agents of Shield. There'll be a lot of content, you know. If you have the resources, you could definitely get that going if you wanted yeah. to. I'm not making a goddamn thing for you, but <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Uh, um. Yeah. So, did you like what you heard here? And if you did, go check us, check us out everywhere you listen to podcasts. Too much Adderall. Uh, too much Adderall. Too much cocaine, to be honest. Okay. 
I'm just kidding. God, I miss cocaine. Uh, yeah. Without further ado, I'm Kyle Lara. With me is Alexis Soto. As always, stay magical, everyone. When you wish upon a star, makes no difference who you are. Anything your heart desires will come. Happy place, welcome. Disneyland is your land. Here age relives fond memories of the past. And here youth may savor the challenge and promise of the future. Disneyland is dedicated to the ideals, the dreams, and the hard facts that have created America. With the hope that it will be a source of joy and inspiration to all the world. Thank you.